How many people are excited about the season we're in? I say that similarly every time. Now, I was looking for a book. I kept on going out and coming in, going out and coming in. I was looking for a book that I stole from Ash's shelf this morning. And I couldn't find it. So I don't know if you guys have been reading Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator, but that's what I was going to preach from tonight. So not that we weren't going to use the Bible as well, but I just wanted to just want to frame that up for everyone. Um, I had a vision. Is everyone good to just, can we just go with it? Okay, so I had a vision about, probably about three months ago, and the vision was I saw this big gold elevator in the middle of the stage, huge And so I had a vision, and then the vision went into a dream. How many of you have ever had that happen? Where God's speaking in one way, but then he reinforces it in another way. And so God was speaking to me specifically about this big glass elevator. It was gold, but a big elevator. Now, how many people know what an elevator could represent? Gosh, it's not, not difficult. Okay, what could it represent? Ascension. Now... I was driving my car not long after that, and the Lord quickened to me a song. And he said, play this song. I'm like, which song? And he was like, and this is the song. It was, the only way is up, baby, for you and me now. And I was listening to it, and it's by Yaz, and from the 1980s, and I do have it saved on my phone if you guys want to listen to it at the end. I was going to do some ministry to it, but there's some weird kind of stuff in it, and so I didn't. And... But what was really interesting is that there was this, in this vision and this dream, there was this big gold elevator in the middle of this stage, and I knew it represented ascension. And in the vision and the dream, there were people that were cramming into the elevator. And Todd, being the senior leader of the church, was here, and he was waiting until it was full, but it was getting really, really full. And you know Todd, I don't know if you know Todd, I've travelled with Todd Issues, um, not issues, I'm joking. With his, with his regard specifically to what I think is safe and what he thinks is safe is a whole nother, whole nother realm. So he's like, how many people have ever seen the videos of the trains in Japan? Well, I'm a little bit claustrophobic sometimes and they push them in like that. Have you ever seen that before? And so in this vision dream, these people are getting into the lift. The lift is not big. It's literally, I want to say six by six, but I won't say that. I'll say seven by seven. It was very, very small feet, that is. And Todd was literally, anyone that made a decision to jump on the stage, anyone that made a decision to jump on the stage, Todd decided, he was like one of the conductors on uh, a Japanese platform, and he grabbed them. As soon as they got up to this bit, he grabbed them and then pushed them into the now, I don't deal well with lifts, I'll tell you about that in a minute. But anyway, so anyway, in the vision, he then crams them in. And as soon as there is no room, as I would think, to breathe in that lift, he pushed the button. And the doors close, people are like, <coughs> and then they go up. Now, this is the, the, the interesting part based on what Maddie was talking about. So this interesting part is this, that other people, everyone say other people, not me, were here. And they were looking at the lift. And do you know what the word of the Lord, or let me say this, the word that came into the vision and then the dream was, when I looked at it, that looks uncomfortable. Oh, exactly. And that looks uncomfortable. 
And I'm thinking to myself in the drip vision, that really does look uncomfortable. And I felt the Lord say, this goes up to the third heaven. It goes up to a place of abiding and it goes up to a place of really of governmental assembly. I felt like the, the lift, I didn't get all the, 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 the floor numbers or anything like, else like that, but I saw it go up and I didn't know if it was 12, but it felt like when you went up there, you had an ability to administrate government. So is everyone with me? So we've got this big lift in the middle of the, the church. We've got people standing here. Anyone that got on this stage, Todd became a Japanese. What would you even call those? Come on, help me team. What would you even call those people? A, 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 a train squasher. So, so those people were then squashed into the lift in particular. And so Todd was literally the person that was squashing people into this lift. And as soon as there were more people than I would feel comfortable with, in that lift, he pushed the button and it shut and it went up and then it came down with nobody in it. People didn't come back. Who wants to go and not come back? Okay. Luminate might be a bit short tomorrow. <laughs> so, so, but what was, so, what was so interesting about that was that I had this and then I had a vision and then last night, I said, God, what are, you, what are you talking about specifically? And he said, I'm talking about the big gold lift. I'm talking about the big gold lift. Now, I don't like lifts. Now, I'm just gonna be completely real with you. I'm from London and I don't like the underground and I don't like lifts. And why is that? Because I feel like if you're in a lift that goes really, really high, and I dream about lifts all the time because I'm sure God's breaking something, or attempting to break something. But I dream about these lifts and when, so for many, many years, I avoided lifts. I lived in a place in London with a gold lift. And in the gold lift, it sounds random, but it really was. I don't know if it was real gold, but it was look gold. And in the gold lift, there was an opportunity many times for me to get into the lift and then go up and I lived on the third floor or I could take the stairs. But guess what I did? Why did I take the stairs? Because the foreman at the front door, we had a foreman, yes we did. Uh, the foreman at the front door wasn't always there and I thought to myself, if the lift stops, I'm gonna get stuck. And so I was like, okay, I won't take the lift, I'm gonna take this, it's a true story. I can't believe, it. a little bit catharsis here, but I did that for many, many years. And, wow, wow, wow. Okay, so I started to, so when I had to take a lift, i.e. I was in an airport with people, in Myanmar or other places, where I had to be in a lift, I would take a lift. And so I'd go, I'd take a lift, whatever. But if I was by myself, I would look for the stair option. How many people have ever been there before? Okay, four people, awesome, okay. You're with me, we're a tribe now, okay. Don't take that literally. And so, and so I was in a place where I would start to, I would look for the other options. Now I got a job many years ago at the Sydney Morning Herald. Who's ever heard of that newspaper? And I got a job at the Sydney Morning Herald and it was my first day of my second kind of apprenticeship at the Sydney Morning Herald. And I was really excited, it was about 2004. And I was like, yes, come on, I'm gonna break. This is a whole new cycle in my life, everything's gonna change. And so I thought to myself, I'm going to, so I went into the building and there was a big lift. And so you walk into the Sydney Morning Herald offices and you walk and the whole, really the whole foyer is based on the lift. 
And so I'm like, okay. So I get in, I go, okay, it's going to be fine. So I get in the lift and the painter gets in the lift too, just a painter guy because he is about to go and paint one of the offices up in the building for the Sydney Morning Herald in Darling Harbour. And we get in to the lift and I'm like, okay, thank you, Jesus. Not gonna, and I was saved at the time. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Not going not gonna to break. We get in the lift. Guess what happens? Broke down. <laughs> so I'm now in the lift reinforcing the fear I had because it broke down. Now, I'm staying there. And I want to say to the painter, it's all going to be all right, but I don't feel like it is. And so he's like, it's all going to be okay. And anyway, in the end, we end up getting up. So... Getting into a lift always has had, for me, a sense of being uncomfortable. Is this okay? Am I being too vulnerable? You're like, no, but I'm like, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'll read it back. I'll listen to it another time. So, so we do this. So I see this vision, and the people that are on the ground who don't get up on the stage, they're the ones that Todd doesn't push into the lift in the dream. That, but for the people that get onto the stage, they're the people that he does. They only have to take the big step onto the stage. Isn't this interesting? Why? Because when you're on the stage, I felt the Lord say, I said, what is it about the stage? He said, when you're on the stage, you are committed. And I'm not saying committed to the church, I'm talking about committed to ascension. Ascension will cost you your realm of comfort. And I feel like one of the things that God is speaking about, because we've been talking about ascension for a long time, and come on, we're going up, and everything's going to be good, and we're up there, and all that. But I feel like, again, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us specifically about what it looks like to address any things that are not, <laughs> that we need to address to be able to come into this place. Now, I've been on a journey with my general physique. This is how prophets should speak. Um, my general physique, and I would like it to be fine trimmed. And what was interesting is in the realm of the spirit, when I knew that people were getting up there, they were up there, but they knew that they were actually trim enough. Please, I'm not thinking about anyone particular here. They were trim enough in the spirit to get up here. Who can ascend the holy hill of the Lord? Let's put up. Psalm 24, let's go from verse three and verse four, just those two. Who can ascend the holy hill, who may ascend the hill of the Lord, but he who may, uh, sorry, so who may stand in his holy place, verse four, who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted his soul up to falsehood or an idol and has not sworn deceitfully. So you've got this big lift here and I felt that people were standing here because the fulfillment of this passage sorry, wasn't a reality to them. Where they were like, actually, you know what? I like my internal world. I like what's going on in here. So I will do all of the things I need to do. But I'm not going to get up. And I'm not going to allow Todd to kick me into that lift. Because <laughs> that lift looks really uncomfortable. The lift costs us everything. Everyone say everything. And that's what I feel like the Lord is saying in this time as we've been preaching ascension. And we, you've heard this message many times before, but maybe, people, maybe it's just one person. But imagine if there are people here tonight that need to hear this again. When I 
really wanted to move into crusades, wanted to move into crusade evangelism for many years. And I was really into it, and I really wanted to be a crusade evangelist. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go to crusades and all that. And then Heidi Baker and her team, just throw a name out to trade with you guys. Uh, Heidi Baker and her team messaged me, and they said, do you want to come? You know that that was facetious, I hope you know that. Um, Heidi Baker and her team sent me a message and said, do you wanna come for a crusade in Africa? And I was like, yeah, and the Lord's like, no. And I was like, yeah, and the Lord's like, no. And so, and then I, a few weeks later, I met with a guy called Todd Weatherly. Now, when I, when I met with Todd, we were in, <laughs> where is what it is? We were in Oxford Street in um, Sydney, a very holy place, I'm sure. <laughs> and so we're in Oxford Street, and, and because they, have an, they had an amazing uh, meat restaurant there, and I said, this is the best ever. We've just got to go to this place. So we hosted Todd and I said, let's just, you know, we ate meat there. And so as we ate this beautiful uh, Brazilian barbecue, he spoke to me and he said, have you, do you, I do crusades in South America. And I'm like, ah, I've never felt called to Africa, but I felt so called to South America. This is my place. And so I'm like, yeah, it's awesome. And so then apparently, um, so then we left and Todd said, hey, you can come on crusades with me. This is the first time I ever met Todd. And this is uh, a number of years ago, maybe eight, nine, ten, ten years ago, maybe a tiny bit more. And so I was hosting him. And so he said, well, hey, why don't you come at, on a crusade with me in South America? It'll be amazing. I'm like, yeah, I'm sold. It's been amazing. What an amazing lunch. Now I get to hang out and, you know, and we just hit it off. How many of you have ever just hit it off with someone? It just it is what it is. And so, so I hit it off. And I was like, wow, it's going to be amazing. And I never heard from him again. <laughs> and I was like, shakarabakete Do I not have what it takes to get on the, on the stage? What is it? And I never heard from him again. It's actually, <laughs> okay, we might pause. No, we won't pause the live stream. It is what it is. And then it, a number of months later, he messaged me and he said, hey, why, okay, it is what it is. Why did you never respond to all of the correspondence I gave you to come to South America? Because he's a man of his word, and that's one of the reasons we love working with these guys. And I said, what do you mean? I never got anything. And he goes, I sent them through, but you never got them. Anyway, without any, too much, any, without any detail, um, I didn't ever get any of the invitations. And I said, but I want to come. I want to do it. And so he said, you need to come. So anyway, so he had planned a trip to go with Jim Durant, a guy called Jim Durant to South America. And so I started to get really excited about that. And then the Lord took me to a vision. Now at that time, I was super fit. I know that I am now, and you guys think I am, but I was really, really fit. And I was boxing about four or five times a week. Like I was really, really fit. And I was running Coogee to Bronte runs and all of that. Uh, yeah, not now. <laughs> <laughs> barely hold my breath up here. And so, 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 so I'm joking, but I'm not. And so, so, so I'm in a, um, in a season where I'm doing that. And God, in the vision, so I'm praying about this trip with Todd. He says, come to Peru. And it was Peru and somewhere else. I can't remember where we went the first time. But anyway, all that matters is this, that I had this vision of my boxing gym. And the Lord spoke to me about the boxing gym. And he goes, you see this boxing gym? And I said, yeah. And he said, you need to pay the price to get in. And I was like, what do you mean pay the price to get in? Why would I need to pay the price to get into a boxing gym? I'm already part of the gym. And he said, oh, no, no, you're not. 
So anyway, so I, in this vision, and in my gym, it was called Bronte Fitness, it had a turnstiles to get in. And in the turnstiles to get in, you had to have a swipe card, and you'd put the swipe card in, and then it turned, and then you can go into the classes. So in the vision, I'm praying, I'm praying about Peru, and the Lord shows me the turnstiles from Bronte Fitness. I'm like, what's going, have I not paid my bill? Is there a breach there? What's going on? And he shows me, and, he's, and then I look at the vision again, and I see the father. I didn't see the father's face. I saw the father in person, and then I saw the father's hand. And the father reached over the turnstile. He was on the other side, the better side. And so he's on the other side, and he took out my, I don't have one on me, he took out my wallet, and he said, to come through here is going to cost you everything. To come through here is going to cost you everything. And I'm like, okay, whatever it costs. <laughs> anyway, so then I'm in a vision, and then the Lord spoke to me, and he said, I want you to consider this. And I knew immediately that what he was talking about was it was going to cost me everything in here. So I said, okay, Lord, whatever it looks like, whatever it takes. And he then allowed the turnstile. What's in your wallet, first of all? Finance. Oh, wow, that was a bit of murmuring. Finance, identity, multiple other things. Let's just leave it there. What's in your wallet? But, <laughs> but for me... It was identity. My identity was found in being a prophetic minister for the world to see and finance. And he said, this is going to cost you everything. And then I walked through the turnstiles. I said, yes, walked through the turnstiles. And I saw all of these beautiful motorcycle helmets. And under the motorcycle helmets, I saw the names of crusade evangelists from the past. If you've heard this before, um, I, yeah, I don't apologize, but... And I saw Oral Roberts, and I saw all of these crusade evangelists. And he said, now you have entered in, from paying that price of your heart, now you have entered in to the next level of protection you need to operate as a crusade evangelist in South America. And that was when I did my first crusade. So, was anyone on that first, were you on that first crusade with all the murderers? Was anyone there? It was really fun. And so, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm still alive. And so... But what was really interesting is this, that I thought I was in a place where I completely had it all together. As much as possible, you know. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm doing well. Everything's fine. But God, but God. Now, what's funny about the delay on the timing? Do you think that some of the delay on the timing of me receiving correspondence about crusades could have been because my heart wasn't ready? And at the right time, God then showed me, you need to be willing to give all of this up. I'm not saying identity because I'm talking about illegitimate forms of identity that have been framed and formed in, in wrong places. And so, anyway, I ended up going on a crusade. And yes, I needed protection a lot, in my opinion, because I was in very dangerous places, in my opinion. And Todd's like, yeah, you're fine. That's what I was saying. It's like... Oh, we're going to die. We're not going to die. I've been in the most harrowing situations of my life with Todd Weatherly. And he is completely chill. 
How many of you have ever traveled with Todd? I know Christina has. But I've been in situations before where they're going, uh, uh, my first crusade, I've told you this before, but my first crusade is they came out onto the stage and we were in an area of a terrorist group called Shining Light, I know that they've disbanded since, who did major kidnappings. And they said, everyone from the terrorist organization, can you please come tomorrow night? Murderers. They literally labelled every all the murderers, all of the witches. Can you all of the warlocks? Can you come tomorrow night? We're going to show you something very, very special. And you know the story that we drove back, and I thought to myself, "Thank goodness, I'm not even involved." I was trying to work out how I can stay back that night and just have a rest night. <laughs> if you've ever been on a mission, there's no such thing as rest night. And so I'm like, "Where's the rest night? I can do a rest night there." And Todd's like, and Todd looked at me, and, and Jim's looked at me. They, we really feel like tomorrow night is your night. My night in what regard? Your night to lead. And, and so I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll be at the front. Now I'm telling you, do you think I slept that night? No, I did not. And so, but, but the whole point is this, that God had already spoken to me before I left about me entering into a new level of protection. What was that? That was a prophetic or a spiritual criteria that I needed to adhere to in order to be able to step into that next level of my destiny. You see, for some of us, living in a, from a place of ascension isn't just part of our inheritance. Oh yeah, I'm living in ascension. It's been so good. It's been so amazing. We've had such a good time from that place of ascension. Oh, Because like, what are you doing? Do you know that too much is given, much is required? Do you know that when you come up to a place of living from a governmental ascension, where you are actually going to be required to live in a way and act in a way and... and adjust and administrate in a way according to who is seated in these places. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so I feel like one of the things that God is speaking to us in this season is saying, we're talking about what it is to ascend the holy hill, but what are you doing from the holy hill? Just like Maddie spoke about on Sunday morning, if you didn't listen to it, you need to. What are you, why? I'm going to ascend the holy hill. Yeah, great. I'm one of the, okay, I've now really, really attained. Attained to what? What have you attained to? Attained to you feeling better or attained to a level of administration that's going to be seriously damaging to the enemy camp? Which one? Because that, is everyone okay? Because that's what it looks like. And I feel like when we pay the price here, we can administrate up here. When we pay the price here, but the thing is this, what does a wallet represent? Everything. Your finance is everything. I'm not saying you need to pay all your money. It's not about that. It's about what your heart's connected to. And when people's hearts were not connected to the world, when they were untethered enough to step up onto the stage, because the stage represented no world order. This represented new world order. <laughs> this represented, I'm just, I'm, I'm joking, but I'm not. But this represented something where there was a level of freedom from the world's order, the world's system, and the, world, the way the world operates and the world, way the world manipulates people. What are you worried about? And then God says, no, if you are baptised and tethered to the truth of my word and who you are in me, and you enter into this place, you will start to administrate governmentally like you're called to. This is really important. You can see where we're going. So, so I love the fact that 
Where is she? There she is. <laughs> I love the fact that Maddie led the way she did tonight, and she's always ama- it's always amazing. But tonight's very special. Because yes, we're in consecration, but you know consecration can just be like, yeah, we're in consecration, yeah, let's do some additions, some tractions, you know. Let's be in. What is true consecration? Is it to not consider your life anything before the Lord? Is it to he who loses his life will find it in me? What is losing your life? I'm not trying to be weird, but it's real. And so I feel like this is one of the things that God is bringing us into now. He's going, what does it look like for you or us or all of us to step up into this place and to transition from here to here? Now, I know secret information. I know Christine is going to be talking about moving with the cloud on when, uh, Sunday, next Sunday. And so... So there is something about listening and hearing and yielding and not just saying, okay, God, because a lot of the time we wait, we're waiting for the word. I'm waiting for the word of the Lord. It's really important that we hear this. We're waiting for the word of the Lord. God, whatever you say, whatever you do. And he's like, no, 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 no. I have been pressing my hand on your heart for years. Don't, don't look for the next thing. I've been pressing my hand on your heart for years talking to you about forgiveness of your father or your mother I've been pressing my heart my hand on your heart for years but yet you're looking for the next thing the big thing the and I feel like because I'm an exhorter and I can exhort the hell out of people literally and I really can I really can who's ready for an amazing year next year come on oh none of you want an amazing year next oh okay you're playing the game all right let's play the game I'm an exhorter. But let me tell you this, God isn't always operating in exhortation. What is it about the kindness and the severity of God that people don't understand? And recently, and we all know this, you know, we all know this story, but recently we, a, a general in the faith, Mike Bickle fell, or something happened. We, need to, we can address it publicly, that's fine. Big deal. Wrote some amazing books amazing books on the prophetic he really did but something wasn't right or whatever I, you know i'll probably get some text message as i say that i'll get some text message but anyway but the reality is this that whatever happens whatever's going on in life god is always leading us into a place where he wants us to understand his full counsel of of administration Full counsel of scripture, kindness, the kind, because I hear all the time, the kindness of God draws men unto repentance. Yeah, it's the kindness of God, so I'm just going to make loads of cakes. But doesn't it also say, snatch others from the fire in the book of Jude? Don't you also have to preach the gospel and say, actually, you know what? If you don't listen to this now, you're going to hell. Is that okay to say that? If you don't think it's okay to say that, please read the Bible. It's, this is really, really important. It says, be merciful to those who doubt, but snatch others from the fire. How do you snatch others from the fire? By being merciful and being, I'm not saying we don't, not, we need mercy. I'm not saying that, but we have to understand that in God, it's the full counsel of scripture. And the reason that I quoted Mike Bickle just now was because he, one of his main things was the full counsel of scripture. And he preached profoundly on the kindness and severity of God very profoundly because it's about actually administrating holiness 
Because by standing here and saying, God's going to come through one day. It's okay, Maddie. It's okay. I'm just using the staff because I don't want to highlight anyone else. But, but it's okay, Christina. It's okay, okay, Maddie. It's okay, everyone. It's okay. It's okay, Pierre. It's all right. Everything's going to be fine because God is good. He is good, but you're still not on the stage. He is good, but you're still not on the platform. You're still not in the lift. It's okay. He's good. He's going to come through. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. You can't lean into one particular facet of who God is and say, this is, my, this is what's going to happen. This is good. God's good. His promises are going to come through for me. You can't lean into that area and drive that thing home. You know what you do? You'll drive into the sand and your wheels will start spinning. But we have to be able to balance. And God's saying, I really want to give you this. Don't think of anyone. I'm not thinking of anyone. I really want to give you a partner. But your addiction to pornography isn't going to permit that. Your level of holiness is not up to the place where I can give you a partner for life. From my, from, I'm not going to give you one of my daughters, basically. Do you understand what I'm saying? What is it? It's not, I'm not talking about severity. I'm talking about holiness and what is real consecration. So in that, is everyone okay? Okay, no one is. Okay. But in that, I want us to understand that God is saying, in order to ascend, it's going to look uncomfortable. And if we are not in a place of ascension, then good, the invitation is, are you ready to ascend? And I'm not going to get up here in a worship time, which is so cool, with, with Maddie leading, you know, we, there's a platform created, we're ascending the holy hill, yeah, we're ascending. And I'm like, but people aren't really ascending. They are, but they're not. You can ascend, have a visit. Who wants to have a visit? No one wants to have a visit. Who's ever been to a hotel and you're like, oh my goodness, I just want to stay. Who's ever been to a five-star, I stayed in a seven-star hotel one time. Who's ever stayed in a five-star hotel and you thought to yourself, I just want to stay here for one day. Or who said, I want to live in this place forever. I said that many times, Belinda, what is this a night? And how much do we make in a year, you know? Why? Because living in an ascending, ascended place is superior to where we are right now. It's a superior place of habitation. And so what, God, is everyone, <laughs> everyone's fine. So what God is saying in this season is he's saying, will you come up into a place of superior habitation? But it's going to cost you. And it's going to cost you your, and I'm only going to drill down on one part tonight, your comfort. I think that's fair. Is that fair? Okay, can we put up uh, Matthew chapter 7 for us? For us and for me. Matthew 7, verse 14. Okay. Or how, oh, oh no, that was 14. Sorry. Thank you. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life and, few, and there are few who find it. Now, if you're a theologian in here and you want to talk theologically about what this looks like, that's fine. But I'm taking this radically or seemingly radically out of context for you tonight. And I'm going to talk to you specifically, not about salvation, but about what it looks like to walk in the ways of God. Now, in the book of, just pause it there. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, it says, my ways are not your ways. And then people say, then people requote and say, but we have the mind of Christ. Let me tell you this. I've been pastoring for a long, long time. Long, long time. I look so young and so amazing. But I have been pastoring, real pastoring, since I was 23. 
and now I'm a lot older than that. So what I'm saying is, I've been doing this for a long, this might be my primary job for over 20 years now. Or 20 years, 43, yeah, okay, whatever. And so, it's been my primary job for a long time, or one of my primary, yeah, let's say at least 19 years, and because of that, I have met people for many, many years that talk about kind of what the narrow way is and what the broad way is and how they feel like they're called to function. And just because someone says something doesn't mean that they're living it. You, you understand that's, is this okay? Too strong? Do you want an exhorter? Come on! Amazing here. No, I'm just joking. Uh, 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 we're, we're not going to go for ages tonight. So, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life and there are few who find it. Now, this is really interesting. Now, today is my favourite date in the whole year. It's 7... And what happens on 7-11? You get free slushies from 7-Eleven, if you know if you know anything about 7-Eleven. <laughs> but the reason 7-Eleven is my favorite, I'll, I'll actually touch on that one second. Okay. So, so 7-14, the Lord was talking to me consistently about 7-14. And I'm like, yes, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will heal their land. So I'm like, oh God, yes, okay, 714. He's like, no, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about this. So anyway, so yesterday, the day before yesterday, I have an experience where Araya, I don't know if you, any of you have kids, but I, I went to pick Araya up from dance and Araya had lost her earring. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced any girl that's ever lost their ear. Oh, she had lost her stud in her ear and so the dance teacher comes down and she is Bawling, not the dance teacher, but I would have been. But the Araya, and I'm like, what's wrong? And she goes, I lost my earring. So I have to hot step legally, relatively, all the way from Fullerton in Adelaide, South Australia, all the way down to South Road before five, before the place closes, so I can get the right earring to put in the thing. So I'm like, and yeah, anyway, here's what it is. It was nearly legal most of the time. And so I went all the way down. And so anyway, so I go there. And we're going down, and I'm like, I'm going to take a shortcut. And Asher goes, yeah, take a shortcut. You know, Asher's really into it. So I swerve the car in my own swerving way, not in other people's way. But we won't mention tonight, Christina. And so I swerve my car down a street. And I'm like, what street are we on? What street are we on? And he goes, Asher goes, we're on small street. We're on Small Street. I'm like, Small Street? That's random. And I'm like, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, Is it? Is it random? So anyway, so this is yesterday. So I'm on this, I'm on Small Street, and I'm going down Small Street, and guess what Small Street was? Small. How, how many people have ever driven down a street where there are cars parked? It's, it's a two-lane street, but it is a small street, literally just off Goodwood Road. And there are cars parked on both sides because someone decided that was a good idea. Yeah, okay. And, you're like, and then you have to stop, you have to pull over, so someone comes, and I'm like, this street really is small. <laughs> How many people have ever experienced that? Four people here? Okay, well, I have a lot. Please drive down Small Street at some point. And I felt the Lord say, I was like, oh, it's such a tight squeeze. And then today the Lord reminded me of this message. And he said, isn't it a tight squeeze? Doesn't it cost you something? Because I could have gone round, but I'm accelerating. <clears throat> How many people want to accelerate? It's going to cost you something. 
You see, I got there quicker by going down Small Street. But if you want to go round, it's going to cost you a lot more. And so, is everyone okay? Okay. Let's put that back up. Now, the gate is small. I know this is about Christ. I'm not trying to say it's not. And the way is, the way is narrow. And I feel like what God is speaking about this time is for us to ascend into this next season, the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are a few who find it. You know, there are so many instances that I've heard of, including one myself, where people have been given people's mantles and stuff that people, other people were supposed to do because those people opted out at some point in their walk. Who's ever heard that Reinhard Bonnke... Who knows who Reinhard Bonnke was? Reinhard Bonnke said that he was God's seventh choice. Seventh, what does that mean? It means that the path was too narrow and the way was too small for others to take on that mantle. That is a big number. but Or is it? Now I know there are other people that have been given stuff and maybe you are, they were the first or second or third choice for something that needed to be done but they got it because they chose the narrow path. They chose to adhere to the criteria to jump on the stage, get squashed into the lift and live an ascended lifestyle. You see, the, the lift is a metaphor, but it's not. But it is, but it's not. It's like, what does it look like? We talk a lot of the time, yes, I want everything. And God's saying, you haven't paid the price for everything. You've paid a little bit, but you haven't paid enough. Now, that's not because God needs it. How many of you know God doesn't need it? But he knows if he gives you something that you are desiring, that you're not ready for, it will crush and destroy you. And God is a good God. He's a good father. Who would give a God? I would never give Asher. Asher and um, Israel used to sit in the back of my car. I used to drive them a lot. And they go, I'm getting a Lambo. I'm getting a Lambo. Now, I I uh, love driving, but not on freeways. And I'm thinking to myself, Bless you. I hope you are good with that. But if I ever have a Lambo, and we are, no, no, I'm not even talking about insurance. I'm talking about power. If you want to say power. I would never give Asher or Israel, no disrespect, I would give them an opportunity to drive a Lambo around the, around the corner. Why? Because there's too much. And what can power do? destroy you. You see, some of the time we're visioning for something, doing crusades in South America. I'm going to go to South America and I'm going to administrate in all of, and God's like, you don't even know the strongholds of witchcraft that are existing in the places you want to go. You're not ready. And so God isn't going to allow you to come into a place where you're not ready to administrate the government of heaven. And if you're part of this church, watching online, you're blessed, obviously. But the reality is, I feel like God is reinforcing this. You can't make up all those prophetic criteria coordinates. I'll talk about the great glass elevator in a minute. But you can't make it all up. It just is what it is. And you can choose it is what it is, or you can choose not. But let me tell you this, those people that choose, oh yeah, well, I'll just wait on God's timing. You can wait, but you'll be here. And you'll be sitting here for a long time and we'll be pastoring you and blessing you and loving you and enjoying you as a person. And it'll be amazing. Like, my church is amazing. Daryl was the best pastor. 
gosh, I loved doing session with Christina, Ebony, all those guys. It was the best. I booked him for, how many have you had? 29? 29 sessions. Why? Because I love doing, great, awesome. I'm not saying that's not okay. Do what you've got to do. Christina might have another short thought. But what I'm saying to you is this, that this place is a place of equipping to bring people up into a place where they dare, or not dare, where they have the courage to cross the threshold into the next season or the next era. And I feel like that's what God is saying for us now. And I feel like it, it, there's this invitation where he's going, are you ready? Are you ready to cross over, come up, move into the place where Dodd, Dodd, Todd kicks you into the, into the, the um, elevator or not? Anyway, so the reason I kept on walking in and out was because I was looking for a book that I was reading to Ash over the last three nights called Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. Elevator. Who's ever read that book before? Only three people. Oh, my goodness. Okay, all right. I'm not saying you should read it, but let me tell you the story. Okay. There is a guy called Charlie and a guy called Willy Wonka. And the main theme of the story is that they are in a great glass elevator. Okay, now the elevator is really interesting. It goes into space. And in chapter three which is where we're reading at the moment. The, there is something called the Hotel USA. Very prophetic, but we won't go into that now. Hotel USA, and the president is looking at them because they look like terrorists. And the whole point of where we're reading at the moment is that they are moving toward the hotel in this big glass elevator that has a bed. Very strange, lots of grandparents, lots of family. It's a family, Charlie's family. Charlie, is everyone Okay. Charlie's moving with his family. And they get to a stage where they're about to start docking into the USA Hotel in outer space. So they're about to dock in USA Hotel in outer space. And there is this one chapter, and I'm reading this chapter, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so profound. And every member of the family starts saying to Willy Wonka, because he's in charge, what if they blow us out of the world with missiles? And we, Willy Wonka's like, okay. And then the next one goes, well, what if this particular situation happens? I, I, I would have read it in, in person, but I can't find the book. And then it says, but what if this happens? And every grandparent and every parent and every person, apart from Charlie and his other one grandfather, speaks these negative things into this thing. And Willy Wonka just stops and he goes, if we lived in what ifs, Columbus would never found America. If we lived in what ifs, this would never have happened. If we lived in what ifs, this would never have happened. Are you going to live in what ifs? And so what I want to challenge us in tonight is this. Are we going to live in what ifs? What if I have to give that up? What if that costs me everything? What if that looks like the very thing... And I feel like, I'm not saying Willy Wonka's God. I'm not saying that. Please reinforce this. I'm not saying that. But God quickened to me again in conjunction with what I'm speaking tonight. And he, can, he, he quickened it in conjunction with who can ascend the holy hill of the Lord. And I feel like we are in a season where God is saying, can you get rid of your what ifs? Because what ifs represent levels of double-mindedness. And double-mindedness will not allow you to receive and ascend. Is this good? This is for all of us. So I feel like what God is saying for us now is, 
if you get rid of the what ifs, what if I do this and this happens? Got to get rid of it. What if I do this and this happens? Got to get rid of it. I've had many experiences, I'm not going to go into them too much, but I've had many experiences where God spoke to me and he said, what if, he said, what if I asked, or what if I did, or what if I did. He didn't do it, but he asked what if, and God used the words what if for me personally. He said, what if I gave you a million dollars and asked you to give it away, would you do it? I'm like, no! Why? Because that was the truth of my heart. God was looking at where my heart was and he was making a readjustment because that was the truth. Then he asked me again. Then he asked me another question. He said, what if you were to be martyred in this place and the terrorist organisation connected to this area was kidnapping you and I asked you to get on the stage, what if that happened? What would you do? You see, God is asking a lot of what ifs in this season because he is testing the hearts. I, the Lord, test the heart and examine the mind in order to reward those. That's what it says in Jeremiah. So, so what, what is God asking us now? Is he, are we in a what if season? Because I think we are. And it's like, what, so you're like I'm going to be a billionaire. And God's like, what if? And you're like, and he's like, that is not what I'm looking for. Don't go and speak in tongues and get all spiritual. I'm asking you a question directly related to a condition of your heart that will not allow you to ascend into that place. Is God asking you something? I'm sure he is. I'm sure he's asking me something. And will we say whatever it looks like, whatever it takes? Good? Okay, can we put the pads on? A bit strong? I feel good because that's the word of the Lord. Okay, so what we're going to do is this. We're going to put the pads on. No one's going to get freaked out or anything else. Everyone say, I'm not going to get freaked out. But on the stage represents the lift, the ascension place. Everyone say ascension place. Now, the ascension place is not on the other side of this, it's inside this, okay? And what we're gonna do is you're gonna take your communion, whatever else you're gonna do. And if you decide, this isn't necessarily a communion message, even though we talked about consecration at the beginning. If you decide that this message was for you and you were going to allow, whether it was Todd or, it's not about Todd, it's about God, if you were gonna allow yourself to be uncomfortable, squashed into a place that you could be lifted up into another level, you are going to do simply this. You are going to walk across the stage in front of the lift area. And then you are going to go back to your seat. Now, I want everyone to understand this. You are not gonna fall down in the lift area. Everyone say, I won't fall down. You're not gonna be needed to be carried out. Everyone say, I won't be carried out. It's not gonna be any of that. You can manifest if you need to, but you can manifest in your seat, okay? If you choose to, on the basis of what we talked about, the what ifs, the comfortability, the who can ascend the holy hill, not who is, he has lifted his soul up to an idol or sworn deceitfully. If you choose to cross over, you are gonna cross over in this place. But let me tell you this, when you come down here, 
and you hit this step, the angels, oh gosh, it's strong, but it is what it is. The angels make a record of you stepping on this step. When you step on this step, the angels will make a record and they will release the next level of equipping that you will need to come into that next part of ascension. And most of you are on the prophetic intensive, addition, subtractions, all that, but that's gonna cost you something. Is that good? And for some of you, it's gonna cost you a little bit. Some of you, it's gonna cost you a lot. Good? So take your, let me just, take your communities, let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank You for ascension. We thank You, God, that people are taking communion on the basis of what You already did, that they have access to heavenly places because they are sons and daughters of the King. And so Father, we thank You for that. We thank You for that place of ascension. But right now, in the name of Jesus, I just thank You, God, for every person making a move tonight. Yeah, exactly making a move, not a weird move, making a move. Father, I thank You that people are gonna make a move tonight that will shift their trajectory in order that they can be squashed into a place of ascension. And not the people that were being squashed into the lift of my vision and dream weren't uncomfortable. They knew it was the right thing at the right time. And so let me tell you this, this is the season to be squashed into that lift. And if not now, then when? You can do it in a year, you can do it in two years, you can do it in five. Now is the time to do that. So it's very cool. Awesome. So we're going to keep the pads on.